Our scripture reading is from the chapter of John, uh, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, 13 through 17, and 34 through 41. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happens so that the works of God may be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit upon the ground and made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Solomon, which means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. They brought the to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now on the day which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened, and the man replied, he is a prophet. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have seen, now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are you blind too? Are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. John chapter 9 is a story of Jesus healing a man who had been born blind. It's a fairly long chapter, so we've abridged it for uh, printing in the bulletin today. But if you ever get the chance to sit down and read the whole chapter in its entirety, one thing that you might notice is that this narrative is filled with questions, just one question after another. So in, uh, in John 9, the disciples ask a question, Jesus asks a question, the townspeople have a question, the Pharisees have a whole lot of questions, and, and the blind man himself has a question. This is, almost everyone in the story is asking a question. In fact, depending on which translation of the Bible you're reading, there are as many as 17 different questions asked in this one chapter. So if you came to church today with lots of questions about the faith, about God, 
this might be a chapter that you find interesting. And what I'd like to do this morning is I, I just want to, as we look at this passage that's filled with questions, I want to point out three different kinds of questions we see people asking here. So in, in John 9, we see an example of an honest question. We see some people asking some dishonest questions. And we see the one question, the key question that can lead to life. So let's, let's work through that first. So first, at the beginning of the, of the chapter, the disciples ask what I think is an honest question. Verse 1 says, as he, that is Jesus, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Verse 2 says, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, I, I used to have kind of a dim view of the disciples for asking this. I thought they were being very judgmental. Who's the sinner here? I just, I looked down on them. But I don't think I was being fair. I, I, think, I think they were just asking an honest question. This was a, a sincere question that really would have arisen from truths about God that they would have learned from the Hebrew Scriptures. So, growing up and being taught the Hebrew Scriptures, the disciples would have learned that God is sovereign. This just means that God is in control of everything. Nothing, nothing in this world happens by chance. Nothing happens by accident. So they would have known that somehow the fact that this man had been born with this, this disability, somehow this must have been part of God's plan. Now, one, one place they may have learned that from their scriptures was Exodus chapter 4. In Exodus 4, there's this scene where Moses is uh, complaining to God about a disability that Moses had. Moses apparently had a speech impediment. And in Exodus 4 verse 11, it says this, the Lord said to Moses, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight? Who makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? That's a hard verse, but one thing that shows us, according to the Bible, when we see people with disabilities, either mental disabilities, physical disabilities, the Bible would say that we should never, ever view those people as some kind of mistake. The Bible says that every human being, regardless of their disabilities, is created in God's image. Psalm 139 says every human being is fearfully and wonderfully made. So the disciples would, would have known that this man's blindness did not happen by chance. It, it, God is sovereign. It's part of God's plan. They also would have known from the Bible that God is good. Lamentations 3 verse 33 says, The Lord does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. God is good. The God, the God who's revealed himself in Scripture is a God of justice, a God of righteousness. He is a God who never does anything that is morally wrong. Everything God does is right and true. So th they would have understood that this man's blindness was not the result of some capricious act of cruelty on God's part. God does not cause people to suffer for no reason. God is good. So here's, here's these men trained in Hebrew Scriptures. They know God is in control. He's sovereign. God is good. He never does anything wrong. And so they're just thinking, but if this man's born blind, there must be a reason for it. Someone must have sinned. So th this is their question. Verse 2, they say to, to Jesus, who sinned? Was it this man? Was it his parents? Why, Lord? Why was he born this way? They, they asked Jesus an honest question. Now, sometimes... 
people think, and sometimes churches will give you the impression that God does not like it when we ask questions. You're not supposed to bring questions to church. Just sit there and believe, never ask any questions, never have any doubts. So, some people think God is uh, like the Wizard of Oz. There's, there's this scene in the Wizard of Oz where um, Dorothy and her little friends, they finally made it to the Emerald City. They finally appear before the great and powerful wizard. And there's, remember, there's this big face kind of floating on the screen, and there's smoke and thunder and lightning. And, and uh, there's this scene where Oz says, I am Oz, the great and powerful. Who are you? Little Dorothy steps up. She says, if you please, I am Dorothy, the small and weak. We've come to ask. And before she can even ask her question, Oz says, silence. And some people think God is like that. Before we can even ask our questions, before we can even talk about our doubts, God just silences all discussion. You shall not ask, right? Listen, some people think that God does not like it when we ask questions. But when you look at this passage, notice, when the disciples raise this question, Jesus does not rebuke them for asking it, does he? In fact, he, he just gives them an answer. Verse 3, he says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, we don't know if the disciples understood that answer. We don't know if they were satisfied with that answer. But here's the point I'm trying to make. Christ was not bothered at all with them for asking. Now, why is this? Because it's okay with God if we have questions. Did you know that? So it's okay if we have honest questions and doubts and, and we want to ask God about things we just can't make sense of. In fact, if you've read the Bible, you know the Bible is filled with people who question God. Here are some of their names. Abraham, Moses, Gideon, David, Job, Jeremiah, Asaph, Habakkuk, the Virgin Mary, John the Baptist. All those people questioned God. And some of them were not very polite questions. Like, God, where are you? God, why is this happening? God, why don't you answer us? God, how can this be? They all ask questions like that. None of those people were condemned by God for asking. In fact, God said to the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah had so many questions. God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 33, verse 13, God said, call to me, or some versions translate that, ask me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. So God is not threatened or bothered in the slightest when we come to him and we just ask our honest questions. One, uh, one Bible teacher named Steve Brown said this. He said, too often we think God won't love us if we bring our questions to him, so we allow our questions to drive us away, of God, away from God. But God loves those who struggle. We live in a fallen world. Things are not good. People who don't have Christians, who do not have questions about the tragedy of this world are often shallow and superficial. I am comforted in knowing that when I bring my questions to Jesus, he does not turn me away. In fact, he even affirms me as being valuable. You've got questions, Jesus says. Come here, child. Let's talk about it. So that's an honest question. Maybe you have honest questions for God today. Ask them. Ask them. 
He won't be offended. He won't be bothered. Bring your doubts. Bring your questions. God's big enough to handle our our concerns. He doesn't rebuke us for that. So in the chapter, we see an example of an honest question, but we also see some people asking some dishonest questions. So after, after this man is healed, the whole middle part of the chapter, we left some of it out from verse 13 through 34. The Pharisees, who are the religious leaders of the day, they ask some questions. In fact, they interrogate this man about how he was healed. They, they question him once in verse 15, then they question his parents in verse 19, then they question the man again in verse 26. They've just got question after question after question after question. But when you read the narrative, you, you can just tell these are not honest questions. They're not looking for an answer, not, not at all. In fact, you, you know this, sometimes people will come to God with questions because they want an answer, but sometimes people come to God with questions because they just want an excuse. They just want an excuse. Back in the 90s, there was a popular song, um, I guess, on the the charts by an artist named Joan Osborne, and the song was called One of Us. And and the words were intriguing. Uh, Here's some of the, the lyrics of the song. She sang this, If God had a face, what would he look like? And would you want to see? If seeing meant you have to believe. You have to believe in all things like heaven and Jesus and the saints and all the prophets. I don't know if Joan Osborne is a a Christian or not, but it's it's a good question. Do you really want to see the face of God? Do you really want, would you really want questions, answers to all your questions about God if receiving those answers obligated you to trust Him and obey Him? I think that's an issue we all need to grapple with, right? It just, just, am I asking questions because I'm looking for God? Or am I asking these questions as a way of hiding from God? So in, in verse 26, which is, um, we didn't read it, but th- this is the second round of questioning. When the Pharisees come back to the man to question him, they say, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? In verse 27, this man is so insightful. He says to these Pharisees, I've told you already, but you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? He's basically calling their bluff. He's saying, you keep asking, you keep asking, but let me ask you. Is this a real question? Do you really want to know? Are you really interested in following him? So honest questions of God even if they're voiced in a rather flippant or disrespectful way. But if they're honest, honest questions about the faith are welcomed by God. They draw us closer to God. But dishonest questions can have the opposite effect. One author wrote this, at issue is not whether we should question God, but in what manner and for what reason we question Him. When we question God, it should be from a humble spirit and an open mind, we can question God, but we should not expect an answer unless we're genuinely interested in his answer. And I think that's what Christ was saying in verse 39. It's kind of a confusing verse. Verse 39, near the end, Jesus says, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Don't you wonder, what did he mean by that? I I think what he's saying is, listen, if you 
view yourself as seeing. I already have it figured out. I already know everything. Any question I ask is just sort of rhetorical. I already can see everything. If you view yourself as seeing, don't expect Christ to reveal anything to you. He will not give sight to you. But if you view yourself as blind, you're saying, I just don't know, but I really want to see. Lord, I really want to see. He will shine His light on you and show you the path. So, for all of us, we all have questions, don't we? An issue we'll have to grapple with is, wait, um, are the questions I'm asking God honest ones? I just want an answer, and if you answer, I'll follow. Or are they insincere? I'm just trying to hide. So, we see that in this chapter. We see an honest question. We see some dishonest questions. And, and then finally, we see the one question the key question. That can lead us to life. Now, when you, when you get through the whole chapter, you finally reach the end. There have been all these questions. The, the disciples have had a question. The townspeople have had a question. The Pharisees have had all these questions. Everyone's asking questions. Finally, you get to the end of the chapter, and Jesus goes looking for this man who had been healed. And Jesus himself asks a question. Verse, verse 35 says Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. They kicked him out of, of their faith community. They had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said to the man, here's the question, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe? Now, Son of Man was a title for the Messiah that's found in Daniel chapter 7. This is probably the most common title that Jesus used to describe himself, to point to himself as the Messiah. So he comes to this man, he says, listen, here's my question. Will you trust the Messiah? Will you trust me? Now, it's interesting that Jesus asked that question. Some people might find that surprising. Jesus Jesus did not come to this man and say, hey, you're healed now. I want to know, are you going to be a good person? Hmm? Are are you going to obey God? Will you worship faithfully? Will you study the Scripture? Isn't that something that Jesus, none of his questions have to do with this man's conduct, with his behavior. He's not grilling him on issues of morality. Not at all. Now, why is that? Because the Bible says that God sent His Son into the world to do what? To save us, to rescue us. Jesus did not come primarily to be a teacher, to instruct us on how to fix our lives and be good people. He didn't, he didn't come as, a, as a, someone to nag us in, in, into reforming our behavior. He came to rescue us. He came to save us. So the key question you'll find in, in the Gospel of John is, Jesus just saying, will you trust me? Will you believe in me? In fact, in the Gospel of John, the word believe appears in that Gospel over 80 times in places like this. John 1, verse 12, to all who receive Christ, to those who believe in His name, He gives the right to become the children of God. John 3, verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, 
John 6.35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You get to the end of the, of, of the gospel, John chapter 20, verse 31, John says, all of these things have been written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. So the, the key question that the whole gospel presents the, the question Jesus has for this man. The question he has for you and me is, will you believe? Will you simply trust me? Now, you notice that the man, at least initially, he was not yet ready to say yes to that question, was he? He, he just he needed some more information. Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Verse 36, who is he? The man says, I, tell me so that I may believe in him. He was not yet ready to profess his faith and belief. And he just needed to know more. And that might, listen, that might describe you today. Maybe you still have a lot of questions. Maybe you still have a lot of doubts. Maybe you just, you just need to know more. And that's okay. That's all right. That's where you are. But, but if that's the case, I think that this man's response to Jesus might be very helpful for you to notice. Now, look, look at this man, if you've read the story, you know it. He, he had witnessed lots and lots of religious hypocrisy, right? He, he'd been mistreated by his faith community. He had seen horrible examples set by his, his religious leaders and He'd heard lots of people asking all these different questions about Jesus. Some of those questions probably raised all kinds of doubts in his mind. And yet here's what's important to notice. Rather than just giving up and walking away, when Jesus says to him, do you believe in the Son of Man? He says, who is he? Tell me, tell me, so I can believe in him. In other words, the man said, Lord, Got all these questions, got all these doubts. I don't know enough yet, but if you, if you would be willing just to show me, I'm willing to follow. And, and, and I think that if, uh, if you're in this place today where you still have questions and doubts, I think that if you come to Christ with that posture, I just, if you will show me, I will follow. I, I really believe he'll show himself to you. When I was in high school, um, one of the youth workers that worked with our, uh, our youth group was a, a woman named Jill, and, and Jill, uh, she told us her story. She told us that when she, when she was in high school, she was a very popular girl in her high school, great athlete, class clown, very outgoing, everyone loved her, and what none of them knew in her high school, that behind all the, the laughter and all the, the performance, she was deeply, deeply depressed, just so, so confused wrestling um, with suicidal ideation, just really, really depressed. And one day she was so discouraged, um, she had heard people talk about God. She didn't really know much about Him, and she just kind of shouted up to heaven, God, if you're real, if you're real, show yourself to me. And He did. The heavens didn't part. There was no kind of miracle, no angelic visit. But she just, by chance, met some Christians, and they invited her to church, and she began to hear the gospel, and God made himself known to her. She asked. He answered. 
And, and, and that's what happens with this man here, isn't it? He says, Lord, I don't, I don't know if I can say I believe. I don't even know who the Son of Man is, but if you'll just show me, I will. And Jesus said, you've now seen him. You've now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking to you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And my, my prayer for each one of us, it might, it might be that you're not sure if you're a Christian and you're struggling with those kind of questions. Maybe you, you know you're a Christian, but you're still, listen, we still struggle with questions, don't we? And doubts. My, my prayer is that, uh, that the Holy Spirit would give us that kind of grace we need to come to God and just say, Lord, I'm not going to hold back anymore. I'm just going to lay it on the line. Here's all the questions I've got. And that as we do this, he will show us, give us grace to believe and trust him. I think he'll do that for us. So let me pray that for us right now. God, thank you so much that you are not threatened or bothered at all when we doubt and have questions. In fact, often you're so honored by uh, that when we bring our struggles. So I pray today for anyone here struggling with questions or doubts. It might be deep philosophical. They might be highly personal, but we just questioning. Lord, show us. Even if you don't show us the answer, show us Jesus so that we can believe and trust him. We ask this in his name. Amen.